like half an hour's gone. And they're like, no, Wait. I think I liked TikTok before isolation, and now everyone's just doing the exact same dance. Yeah. I just feel like dance yeah. should be left to dancers. I want to see dancers dance. Literally. I don't want to see my yeah, friends. I don't that savage song by Megan Thee Stallion. Let's see that dance one more time. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Hot Girls. We are once again recording from isolation. I hope everyone is happy and healthy. This week, I have the pleasure of being joined by one of the most exciting young producers in London, Mel Brown. She started her music career at 14, learning production and hosting regularly on London's Represent Radio. Her first stamp in the industry was Blossom, released back in 2017. And then last year, she released her EP Intersection, which, among others, features Tiana Major 9. As a DJ, she shared the stage with Little Sims and Gorillas and many, many more music industry veterans. Mel, welcome to Hot Girls. <laughs> Ladies, gentlemen, listen up. You're listening to Hot Girls. With Lex of the Dead. We in the mix. It's fire. Keep it going. We on fire. From London for the world. Let's go in. Thank you. That's really sweet. Well, it's all true, <laughs> so it's easy to say. When you say it like that, it sounds different to how I see it in my life, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny thing, though, I think, because, and I will kind of go on to talk about this in more detail, but I think you never see your achievements condensed. Yeah, it's true. And also, imposter syndrome is a real thing, you know? I, I don't, do, you, do you know much about imposter syndrome? I understand it and I've heard about it and I have definitely felt it, but I would be interested to hear your feelings about it. Yeah, I just kind of feel like sometimes I have been making music since 14 and, you know, I, I always kind of have taken it, well, when I first started, it was more of an escape and then I started taking it seriously and became you know a career and but yeah every now and then you just kind of feel like what is this like this opportunity that's come through is is it really for me really me okay cool let's go with it and see how it goes and yeah imposter syndrome is basically the effect where you don't feel like you should be where you are should Mm -hmm. I say or that you deserve what's coming to you but it's just about learning to put that aside and I mean everyone doubts itself in some capacity so it's basically that, but on a scale where it kind of begins to affect your confidence and how you go about things, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Well, I think you're so right. It's such a challenge. And like, I've done a lot of research on certain artists and how they've become super successful. And one well, of the things I've really noticed or observed, you know, when you know something, but you don't really know it until you see it. Yeah. Until you really focus on it is how many successful artists basically have like a dual identity. And I right. think it's so that they can essentially play a role so that when they're kind of self-promoting or when they're in a space, they don't have to deal with imposter syndrome because they're like, for example, like Lady Gaga, she can be like, this is Lady Gaga who's there. Like I'm Stephanie, but Stephanie is not doing that. So she's, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> so maybe I need like a Hannah Montana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're like, Sasha you're- Fierce. <laughs> yeah, Sasha Fierce, exactly. It's so weird. You read my mind. Um, <laughs> Maybe I'll come up with a, what do you call them? Alias. Uh, Like, yes, an alias, yeah. (laughs) A little (laughs) internal one. Yeah, I don't know what mine will be called, though. I have to work on that one. 
you can just make it like the creator or something you could just have an add on sam for the great you can just you can it's so true. <laughs> um, well, I want to rewind right back to the beginning. So obviously when it first started, you said it was an escape, but where did it start? Like who first inspired you and what was your journey to first start actually creating? So basically when I was younger in the summer holidays, my mum would send me to these kind of practical workshops where you'd learn these skills and stuff. So I'd be all over the borough of Camden at different colleges or universities trying out new skills. There was like flash mob dancing and like art and acting, but music production was one of them. This happened at the Roundhouse and they still do amazing projects actually that people should check out. So um, one of my courses was music production and I was really shy at first because it was just me and maybe like two other girls and the rest of the class were male. But to be fair, it's still kind of like that actually, Mm. but I'll get onto that a little bit later. But yeah, my inspiration just kind of came from actually having to do something productive but I've always listened to music around the house because my mum would be playing it you know my dad like um, my granddad has got thousands of records real classic vinyls and so I've always grown up around good music used to listen Mm -hmm. to people like Omar Natalie Williams and like Deep House and Mm -hmm. Garage and (laughs) really do you listen to that when you were really young yeah when I was young my dad actually would come and pick me up and be blaring it out of his car speakers like that's down the amazing because <laughs> I feel like for most people it's when they start going to clubs and stuff yeah but me it was like when I was about like seven eight just listening <laughs> to tunes like and just thinking this is really really cool um amazing and so it's kind of ingrained in me and kind of beat and then when it came to me actually making my first track at the roundhouse I just started with a four to the floor kit because that's all I knew really (laughs) so 120 bpm and the track was called heartbeat because your heartbeats are 120 I'm sure I didn't have to explain that this is poetic though I like it yeah it was quite it was actually quite good for a first track I was actually quite proud of it it had a vibe Um, did you play any instruments at that point I dabbled on the piano I'm actually always going to kick myself for not properly learning the piano when I when I had the resources to at a younger age where you know you learn them you learn it in school when you like went to practice and stuff and I didn't really practice as much as I should have so although I do know some chords and stuff I'm not a skilled pianist I totally get that that's like my biggest regret <laughs> giving up piano I wish my parents had like not let me <laughs> Yeah, I know what you mean. But that's the thing, like my mum was really persistent. But you know, when you're just young and you just don't really understand and you're like, no, I want to, you know, I want to do this. Or Yeah. Maybe. And you don't connect it to where you want to go because you don't know what's actually involved in getting there. Exactly. So that was, yeah, one of my biggest regrets, I'd say. But still, it hasn't actually hindered me. And I think the technology nowadays allows people to make music, even if they don't know how to play, which I think is quite incredible. So yeah, that is something that I've really utilised to a certain extent, because I do play my chords, but certain sounds and working out keys and stuff, the way the technology is developed really allows you to do that. What production software do you use? So I started learning on Ableton back when I was 14. 
And that was really cool because it allows you to build beats really quickly. But then I got a Mac and I kind of went into Logic. You know, you do the garage band and logic. <laughs> yeah. Was it easy to, yeah, did you find it fairly easy to switch? Because a lot of people just stick with what they started with, I think. Yeah, like, true. Played around with garage bands for like a week or so and then, and then downloaded logic and, and went from there on. And it's pretty easy software to use, definitely. And, and you know, YouTube is filled with so many like tutorials. You can literally find anything out on YouTube. So I'd just be like researching and, just kind of getting into the beats and playing around with the loops because they're really good to kind of teach you the structure of production mm-hmm. in that way, like the intro, the build up. So I, I played around with them for a little while. And then um, fast forward a few years, <laughs> I, I went to the Brit school and I did musical theatre. I was there for four years. Yeah, so tell me a bit about what it was like being there. And for anyone who doesn't know, the Brit School is a very famous uh, performing arts school. Um, I think Adele went there, right? And Yeah, Adele. Jesse J. Amy Winehouse, Jesse J. Yeah, them kind of people, which was also, going back to imposter syndrome, really like mind-blowing to me because I was like, how the hell did I get in here? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, when you're in there, the culture is so welcoming and it really does enable you to grow. The school I was at before, I didn't really get on well there. You know, things that kids do, bullying, et cetera, et cetera. So that was a real boost to my confidence to get into that school. And then I kind of, um, yeah, I I found my path and I kind of found who I was as a person. In that time there, did you go through a period where you were like, actually, I don't, musical theatre maybe isn't quite right for me? Like, I love music, but not. It was like pretty much straight away. (laughs) You were like, I can get in with it and then I'm leaving it. (laughs) So basically, because, you know, you have to act, dance and sing. And it's definitely great for training mentally and, and learning discipline. Dance warm-ups, workouts, gym, singing exercises, singing lessons. Like, it's pretty full-on. And we're always working up to some kind of production at the end of the term. So that really taught me discipline and what it is like to train. Yeah. Although it became very apparent to me, like, towards the end of year four, that I... I say year four, at the end of my fourth year, sorry, that I... Everyone was auditioning to drama school to be on the stage in musical theatres, amazing musicals. Like some of my friends have gone on to Hamilton, Aladdin, shows like this. And I just was thinking, like, I, I actually, I don't think I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone was like, oh, what school are you auditioning to? And I just didn't. I just didn't do it. I'm kind of glad I noticed that what I did, basically. Yeah. Um, alongside the musical theatre course I was always doing something in logic for a performance whether it be like a soundtrack for a dance or like editing in some like random noises for like a theatre production I was always doing something like that my teachers noticed that as well and they did advise me you know you have to do what's best for you Mm. Uh, and I, I went on to BIM in Brighton as a music university Studied music production there for one year, but didn't get on great down there. So I decided to come back to London, my hometown. Do you think it was, was it more the place or the course or a bit of? Uh, It was just kind of a bit of both. I do really love Brighton, but from coming from London, I think the culture switch is quite different. Yeah. In terms of like the people that I was around and 
the scene down there it's great it's really lively and vibrant but it's more of an indie rock kind of right yeah I felt like I would progress more in London closer to the scene I wanted to be in so yeah made that call but equally I did really enjoy living in Brighton and learning to fend for myself try and find a house and all of that fun stuff early independence (laughs) yeah exactly so yeah I always hold the time in Brighton actually quite dear because yeah it played a huge part although it wasn't the story that I thought it would be when I got down there yeah it did kind of change my life in a way that was a moment where I was like okay if you really want to do this properly you're gonna have to move back and well you know when you start a first year of a university course you're like you don't want to be moving around and like switching and how does that even work and quite nerve-wracking actually and then everyone had an opinion as well and I was getting advice from loads of different people family friends so yeah it was it was an interesting time but the decision I made with my family was definitely the right one so yeah I came back went on to the second year of the music production course and that's when I was like in my dissertation you had to make a project basically you could you could make a project you could do an event but it had to be something musical and you had to be able to record something and perform it so I decided to use it as my opportunity to do my first CP for my dissertation if that makes sense yeah I was thinking earlier about because I'm writing at the moment and I was and I was like, oh, I've just written something that's probably about two or three times as long as a dissertation. Most people don't ever get to use this. Like you do all this work at uni and you don't really get to use it. So basically, I think that was a great idea. (laughs) Thank you. And I'm not really very academic. Like I don't really like writing. So if I was going to write that many words, it would have had to have been on something that I was really passionate about. Yeah. So yeah, so I was like, you know what, this is a great opportunity because I can really dive into the industry, do some networking, try and get it played on the radio. And yeah, that's kind of what I did really. And it was just really the foundation to everything really. And he was saying that he was going to sign up to represent radio's training course. And I was like, what? That sounds sick. Like, I love represent. Like, I want to do that. And we both got on, which was great. So we was learning all the radio techniques, presenting, song choice, how to build a show, how to produce a show. And yeah, we basically decided that we was going to do the same show because we like the same music. Mm -hmm. So we were like, well, we might as well just do it together. (laughs) So then we called the show Brown and Blue. And yeah, it, it, it did really well. We ended it at the beginning of this year as a duo show just because our our genres have kind of changed musically Mm -hmm. I've gone more of a house route soulful house afro house I'm a piano like and please gone more latin worldwide kind of brazilian funk ballet funk kind Mm -hmm. of vibe so yeah it just kind of ended naturally but That's basically where my represent journey started in 2016. 
So wow, that's a good run to do the show together for that long. Yeah, it, it was cool. We interviewed so many amazing people: Jordan Rakai, uh, Jury Van Dal, who else? Mr. Jam. Little Sims, mm. and that was obviously a, a massive moment because I was such a big fan of her. Yeah. Like, before all of this, I was just like going to every show and stuff, and that's why the story is what well, I feel like it's quite special because of the links that kind of happened. Like yeah. I saw her at the Great Escape in Brighton, and I bumped into a manager at a show in London, and then that's how we kind of developed a relationship. That's kind of how it happened. It happened really organically. Um, and then I played at her Wonderland Festival in the Roundhouse. So, yeah, and then it circled back to the Roundhouse, which is where I started. Which oh, nice. Weird. So, yeah, it's just kind of been a massive full circle, really. And when I talk about it, I'm actually really grateful for the past four or five years. It's kind of flown by really quickly. Building a network is something I did want to talk to you about because I think it's so important in the music industry. And it seems like it's sort of happened quite naturally for you. But I guess when you were first putting Blossom out, maybe you yeah. you had to kind of learn that process. So I guess, what have you learned from that? Are there things that you've struggled and there are things that have just come really naturally to you? Yeah, um, I think networking is super important. And it's something that requires a lot of energy. I feel like that's one thing that people kind of forget to tell you. Like, <laughs> you've got, you got to be quite persistent and not in yeah. an annoying way, but you, you do have to like, you know, have some kind of persistence. And when I was younger, I was a bit more, I don't want to say tactful about it, but I kind of knew the events I needed to go to, to meet certain people or to just be in the scene. Mm -hmm. and have my face seen and connect if that makes sense um and I think it's quite a good idea to know just know the kind of crowd you want to connect with before you well I mean not even before you start doing it but just know the kind of crowd you want to connect with because it will make your life so much easier yeah and essentially entering yourself into a into a world or a bubble so it's like which bubble do I want to be like my bubble (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly and and I think Social media is obviously is accessible to everyone now um, and everyone's on there. Um, so I think it's kind of made the networking world easier, but also harder because people are inundated, especially right, radio DJs and stuff with song um, submissions and like everyone's doing meetings now and it, it, it feels very... It feels very busy at the moment, I must say, in terms of actually being a radio DJ, because that was what I was focusing on when I was doing Blossom. Mm-hmm. Um, my goal was to get it played on radio. And Cyan Anderson, she was doing this thing called, uh, I can see the logo in my head, but she was doing a course with Julia Danuga about finding your feet in radio and presenting and basically it was just like four days of us just going quite intensely into it that's awesome great people to learn it from yeah exactly so that was really amazing but in that course I was really shy and I was just trying to come out of my shell but it just wasn't really working (laughs) (laughs) I thought oh my gosh you've embarrassed yourself you've made such a, a mess of this was it a lot of big personalities that were with you Huge personalities, and I'm not really like that. So yeah. if I don't speak, I won't speak. <laughs> 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 I, 
I just have a vision of you like not having not said anything and then suddenly become aware like I haven't spoken for two hours (laughs) yeah like so I was just kind of soaking it all in and at the end of that course there were certain people that you knew were gonna go on to do well basically And, and a lot of them got shows on radar and a few people at represent and then that was actually around the same time that me and blue got on to represent after our training course and yeah it it was just an interesting time because I didn't even expect it to happen that I'd be alongside these people with bigger personalities that you know Cyan and Judy were celebrating who got radio shows off the back of their course yeah so yeah that was really interesting so that's when I first met Cyan and Julie and um, they're just great people and to be able to even put on a course like that you know I did learn so much from it and I was so grateful so yeah so that was the first encounter I had with Cyan and then a little later she was in a thing called online find on Twitter and I just kind of submitted my track bloom from blossom and this is when I was writing my dissertation and everything so everything was kind of moving (laughs) I was like please please I hope she played played it Ah, that must have been a moment yeah, it really was. It was mind-blowing. I was like, wow, you actually did this. But even though I didn't know that that was a path that I was kind of go down. Yeah. So that's why I think it's really important to just follow your gut and not push too hard to speak to someone. And, and stuff kind of just happens naturally um, if you're a nice person and you're, do you know what I mean? Like you're doing stuff for good. I think you're right. I think you can have an idea of exactly the direction you want to go in but things aren't necessarily going to come through for you exactly in the way that you want when you want. So as long as you keep moving and you keep making stuff, then you're kind of like giving the world material to grow for you, if that makes sense. It's so true. That's kind of another reason why the opportunities came because I was really optimistic and just didn't really stop. I was going to so many different events and networking Mm -hmm. like crazy and, um, and all different kinds, not just music I was going to like seminars and networking with the people on the panels and stuff like that so yeah it came in my favor in the end through being on represent I met Mr Jam and he's really supported he really supported background noise he made it his jam hot tune and yeah I just feel like from being in them kind of circles it kind of happened naturally and then obviously Moving on from all of that, I'd been on Represent for a little while. I was looking to start making another EP after Blossom. And I connected with this lady called Kate Bond. He's my mentor and a dear friend. And uh, she took me on in her events company called This Is Wired. And I was literally just interning. And we just formed a really great connection. And we built an event together at Shoreditch House called Wow and Flutter. And she, it was kind of like we both decided to line up together. And I was a massive fan of Jam Supernova. And so I was like, oh, we have to get jams on. It should be great. It'd be great to close the night. Like it would just be, it just makes sense because we had Olivia Nelson, Fred Fredas. Like it's kind of like a soulful future scene. So I was like, she'd be great to headline it. So yes, we booked her for that event. And then I was DJing after jams. That's um, amazing. <laughs> no, it's before. I was DJing before jams and she walked in and I was really nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, it's her. Like, what do I say? <laughs> <laughs> Don't mess up. Terrible time to mess up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
I was DJing at the same time and she's like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. She's so lovely. Like, honestly, I had nothing to be worried about. She's like, oh, what do you do? And I said, oh, I DJ and produce music. She's like, what, really? You produce? I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, she's like, oh, I'd love to hear some of your stuff. I'm starting a label next year. I was like, okay, cool. I'll just play one of the tracks for you now. And I kind of mixed it in so she could hear it on the good speakers. <laughs> yeah, good thinking. <laughs> and it was really good to just like go for it in that moment because you could have yeah. it up and then it kind of got a bit lost in like obviously her inbox is probably a little busier than yeah. most people's. Exactly. So I just kind of followed my gut instinct in that moment and played her Bloom from Blossom and she loved it. And that was kind of it. From there, we, we had a few meetings. We spoke about what my next EP would look like and sound like and the kind of features I'd want on it. You know, she did help A&R the project as well. I said how much, you know, of a fan of Tiana Major 9 I was and we kind of crossed paths before. But Well, I was wondering how that link up happened. Yeah, I hadn't really been able to, to look it down. So yeah, Jam's new Tiana's manager anyway. Um, so that kind of slotted in nicely. And I had met Tiana before. So the session just was like really smooth. So yeah, that was really cool. I loved Ollie Hannaford because I had him on the Brown and Blue show on Represent. Okay. And his voice is just so soulful and indie and like, it's just beautiful. And his track, The Crown, Ollie Hannaford, The Crown. No, should... I didn't, I wasn't familiar with him before yeah. listening to your music. It's funny you say that because... One of the main things with Blossom, that's why I called it Blossom, because everyone I worked with was so talented, but I feel like none of them had the spotlight that they deserved in a way. So I just put everything I had into promoting them as well. And that was kind of the same theme on Intersection. I worked with musicians and vocalists who I feel like we all just need to come together to make something really cool. Yeah. So yeah, Ollie Hannaford was obsessed with his voice. It was really funny though, because the first background noise session we had, he wasn't really feeling the track. Oh, like, really? I was, like, <laughs> I was like, how can you not? Like, it's a vibe. He's You're like, like yeah. this is good. Like, I know this is good. Yeah. <laughs> he got he, on board. He loved, it. he loved it in the end. But yeah, after the first session, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a disaster. Like, I don't know. <laughs> gonna work did you um, write did you write much material that didn't make it to the ep or were you like very specific no about- do you know what everything i wrote went on and that's actually quite rare it's really weird in that time i could only write what i could write i know it sounds a bit weird but i only wanted five tracks and then five tracks were the tracks i was working on so they were the ones that were going to be the ep and they all kind of had some kind of thread throughout them in terms of sonically because all my music is influenced by house but it's got jazz and neo soul it's in there and I feel like you pull on different so there's like a continuity through it all right but they've all got slightly different vibes energy like EPs where you listen you kind of feel like you're hearing versions of the same song yeah yeah exactly and I kind of wanted it to be like an experiment in that way and working with intellect on dose of me with tiana major we made that beat together and i've just always admired him as a producer as well i remember going to his, his show at the bussy building 
back in, I think it was like 2016 or something like that. And afterwards, I just kind of held back because I just wanted to tell him how great it was and how much of fun I was. (laughs) But I walked up to the stage and I was really nervous. And we laugh about it to this day because it's actually quite a funny moment. I don't know why I was so nervous. But like simultaneously nervous and also brave to actually go up. It's so true. It's actually quite true. Um, because we actually had a mutual, well, his one of his family members is one of my friends. So, yeah, I've had that to lead with. But <laughs> In your back pocket. <laughs> yeah, literally. But, yeah, she's like, oh, hi. Um, my name's Mel. I really like your music. Maybe we can work together in the future. Okay, bye. Kind of vibe. <laughs> so, yeah, we was laughing about that in the studio on that day. The project, I think, sounds how it does because... All of the relationships are really organic. Lateral Stop was the only person that I hadn't met previously, but she's absolutely incredible. Jams suggested that because I said I really want a rapper on Breakthrough, the beat. It was called Waves at the time. Wanted a kind of gold link vibe. And Jams had really been supporting Lay on her One Extra show. And she suggested that, you know, she would be a great fit. And she really was like, we had an overnight session. I think it finished at like 4am and we did the first verse and the chorus kind of. And then she recorded the second verse. And we were just talking a lot about the music industry and, and how both of our journeys have intertwined in a way that we've both got where we have because we've supported other people and other people supported us. Yeah. And the idea of breaking through, as if to say we can all break through, like there's room for all of us. In the chorus, in the the background, you can hear her saying like, he'll break through, she'll break through, we'll break through kind of vibes. And that was really important to me to have at the end to give something something for people to think about. Yeah, it's quite a forward-facing message as well, because it's like the best is yet to come kind of thing. Yeah. I did kind of have a theme for the EP, but I called it intersection um, purely because I didn't really know what path I was going to go down. And the first EP artwork idea I had was me standing in the middle of all of these different roads Mm -hmm. leading out and trying to decide kind of which one. So I, I told Jams my vision of me standing in the middle of the roads and then pointing out and stuff and she liked it but she thought it was a little bit literal mm-hmm. and she brought in a designer Cansado, Cansado Jeff he was amazing so he kind of took the idea and, and made it less literal yeah so yeah when I first read it I was a bit like no but it doesn't look like <laughs> you're like, like no I've got it in my head guys yeah, <laughs> And then it really grew on me. Um, and then obviously when we started changing the colours for the different singles and stuff, it yeah, it just yeah. really worked. Often uh, I think that's the thing with design, isn't it? It's the way it builds and evolves that kind of shows it. Yeah, st- exactly. So yeah, I, I was just really, really chuffed with that. And then at the end, when we decided to do the remix package, I really wanted to work with producers who... I am massive fans of. So you've got Emma V, Blue Canarino, High Class Filter, Digital Mozart, KG, and Blue Lab Beats. Mm. And they all like have a sound that is just, it's just, you just know it's them. Yeah. As soon as you hear it. And then that's kind of what I wanted from the remix package. When we 
then was looking at the artwork for the remix. I was like, hang on, like I've got all these more people in the room now. How, why don't we just put them on the artwork? <laughs> so it's like, everybody's in the room. <laughs> Bring them in. Yeah. The, the artwork was modified to have all these guys on the, on the cover and it was just perfect really. Um, yeah. The unity in, in that scene, which yeah. I think is really important because we all really do support each other. So yeah, that that's that really. That is lovely. and I think it's so true and so important because it is there are so many things that you have to go through as a creative person in terms of like practical difficult things but emotional difficult things you know we touched Mm -hmm. on imposter syndrome you know getting radio play like all these different things and it's just really nice to be able to go through them with other people and when things going well for you to be able to bring people along that helped, Mm. helped you and vice versa and one of the things I wanted to ask you is, well, I wanted to ask a little bit about the release process for uh, Intersection and kind of how things have been since. And also, what are some of the things that you look at that have been real moments for you where you can be like, yeah, things are going good. Like, I'm proud of myself. Because it's so nice <laughs> to have those moments, but sometimes it's hard to actually take the time, I think. Yeah, yeah true. So the release process... Jams will laugh if she listens back to this because once we had all the tracks finally mixed because <laughs> we had a lot of like back and forth about what was the right mix and how to make the track sound right, if that makes sense. Yeah. Once we got them all back, it was released via Future Bounce with AWOL. So they kind of dealt with all of that and we had an amazing PR lady, Amy, all just linked together perfectly. It was actually quite overwhelming. I guess after like having done it, had to do it all for yourself as well, first time around to then have a little bit more of a team. Because I was, and that's really interesting you mentioned that because it was, because I've always been very hands-on, it was weird to then just sit back in a way and just do what was asked of me (laughs) instead of going out (laughs) and getting the opportunities and the the press and stuff um so yeah that was a really interesting time but I really enjoyed the whole process so there the release was really lovely and again I managed to tie in my shall we say music experience throwing in a a launch party with uh my friend Kate Bond for this is this is Wired so we did a a release party at um what's that venue called now the ministry okay yeah castle and it was hosted by Rebecca Judd and she did a Q&A with me and we listened through the EP and then I had some lovely people DJing, had Sean Gran from Say Cool, NKOK from Blue Lab Beats, uh, Complexion, Blue Canarino, Jam Supernova and... Uh, I mean you've got all the links now so you can do a yeah. great lineup. Yeah. If you ever want to change and go back into events, your, like, your contact yeah, list is... I'm all right. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the release party, that was really special night because it was everyone who had been a part of the project and, like, Tiana performed and so did Ollie. Wow. There was tears. Were your parents that, there as well? Yeah, and all, like, my friends and my work colleagues. And, yeah, I was just really overwhelmed. But, yeah, Kate really just made it perfect basically yeah. she knew what she was doing um, so yeah she knew what she was doing yeah exactly so um yeah big up you kate love you lots you can't tell me that you don't
think particularly because of isolation, the past couple of months have just been like, I don't know if they ever really existed. So <laughs> like yeah. think that year just feels like it's shrunk. It must be very surreal. Yeah. yeah, literally. And to answer your second question, it was about moments. Yeah. And I guess that release party was, was one of them probably. Yeah, definitely. That definitely is one. And then another one has to be performing at the Great Escape last year. And AWOL had this series of posters along the seafront and my face was on one of them. And that was really weird because obviously <laughs> my journey was in, started in Brighton. Yeah. And I volunteered at that event. That was a really weird moment. Having uh, been in a tent or a volunteer and a performer is it definitely better to be on the side you are now (laughs) Uh, do you know what I think you can learn a lot from both I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's necessarily better because when you're on the volunteer and 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 the festival work inside it's a lot about learning the logistics of the festival and wondering like what it's going to be like for the artists on the other side and you know they get their riders and it's all very plush and you looked after really well yeah but then one thing that I talked to a lot with Blue actually a lot about is what happens when that becomes a norm and you don't ever really want to get bored of it because once you get to your dream then what happens yeah it would have been a really interesting year for me musically and and especially DJing this summer, <laughs> um, which is interesting now talking about it because I... Have you had a lot of cancellations and stuff? Yeah, exactly. Because if these events would have gone on, I probably would have been talking to you from not a different point of view. Well, yeah, a different point of view, but yeah. just would have had a different opinion on on the things that I would have been like, wow, I actually did that. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> as the events aren't going ahead, you don't get to play on the stage. Okay <laughs> uh, then. But um, you know, we all yeah. have to be safe and stuff. So, you know, it's it's a shame, but I think twenty twenty one is gonna be a great year. <laughs> a great year. A great, great year. <laughs> because I'm I'm a stalker, but slash I think it's important to do research. <laughs> I was having a deep dive into your Instagram and I saw that a couple of years ago you posted a quote. So I'm going to like quote that. And it just said, stop doubting yourself, work hard and make it happen. And I felt like it was like a simple but very important message. And I was wondering, like I can tell you've got a really good work ethic and you're, you kind of talk about discipline and stuff, but what are the, what are the other things you think that have been really helpful to you and, and, getting to where you have and releasing the EP because it does take discipline it does take focus that's a really good question I just think it's a motivation really it's a motivation of actually wanting to give back to my family who my mum and and my nan mainly who have sacrificed so much for me to be where I am really and you know my mum hired a choreographer to get me into the Brit school so I could actually have a dance routine that they would like (laughs) instead of making it up by myself you know so she's always kind of had my best interests at heart but yeah that's always been the motivation really to make them proud but then equally I just love the music and I love being a part of the scene and I love contributing to it and I love 
being able to support other people and actually find new music and give people support that they deserve. That's kind of the drive. Yeah. actually made a platform now which is a bit weird to say but yeah I, I realize that I, I do have some kind of platform mm-hmm. so I want to use it for the best of my abilities and try and help other people yeah That's- it's interesting because I think that um a lot of people who do very well their motivation is kind of bigger than them so it gives oh. you more of a a spur on because if it's just about you and your experiences that kind of your enthusiasm is more likely to wait exactly and it it just becomes a bit like I don't know self-centered and I I don't necessarily you know obviously you have to focus on yourself to an extent that's that's how all artists you know create because they they feel on their emotion and stuff so I'm not saying that but for me in terms of like a motivation, it is hoping towards a, a bigger cause and, and getting more women into music production and supporting communities and supporting up and coming artists and actually trying to help make a difference in them scenes. Yeah. Are you working on new music right now? Is that a f- part of your focus at the moment? Yes, I am working on new music. I just want it to be right. And that's part of the, part of the problem with being a perfectionist. There definitely will be new music this year. I'm just trying to find out exactly what route I want to go down because I'm really enjoying Soulful House and, and Afro House at the moment. And if I could make a track that has elements of that in it, I would be excite but also sounds like Mel Brown if that makes sense yeah obviously being um and again we've touched on it a little bit but being one of the few female producers Mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you think can be done to try and address that balance I've been thinking about it a lot actually I think we need to catch women earlier in terms of like when they are learning about music and about different career choices that it is available to you to become a mix engineer or, you know, um, a producer or, or more technical skills that are kind of positioned more towards the male sex, I guess. Yeah. And I think if you catch them earlier, there's going to be more of them. But having said that, I was really ecstatic because I taught on a music production course called School of Bop by um, Intellect, who's on the Intersection EP mm-hmm. and has got amazing music himself. And um, he's he did this production course, School of Bop, with Nike, actually. And I was just over the moon because it's like half or more were girls from, we're talking from like maybe 15 upwards. So, yeah, it was just really lovely to see because That's I think really encouraging. Girls, yeah, more girls are really latching on the beats that they're making that are crazy. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was really and they're like interested to hear what you've got to say and I'm interested to hear what they've got to say. I'm <laughs> them, really. Yeah. As well. I do think it's changing and I just think it's important to support each other, the ones that we have now, really. Mel, where can people find you on the internet? Where are you? Where do you hang out online? <laughs> Where do I hang out? I'm on Instagram, I think, mo- mainly. I do the occasional tweet. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Mel 
M-E-L-L-E dot brown because I'm extra. I don't spell Mel like Mel B does. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then the same for Twitter. It's just Mel underscore brown instead. And then my music is all under Mel Brown. And yeah. The Red Bull major streaming platforms. Yeah, on all of them. Apple, Spotify, Tinder. Uh, I just nearly said Tinder. I know, I thought you did. I was like... <laughs> Could be on Tinder. Probably get you a lot of dates. No, I meant Tidal. I meant Tidal. I am not on Tinder. Uh, Tidal. And yeah, all that, all that good stuff. <laughs> Where are you in the internet? Not Tinder. Just to clear that <laughs> Don't look for her there. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode a lot. Next week, it will be a uh, Hot Girl History episode, as per usual. Mel, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank um, you so much. And I hope everyone is staying well and being productive <laughs> and the world returns yeah. maybe it will have by the time this comes out you never know yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks everyone bye Rising, the prize, if 